0: Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. I don't
1: know whether you can imagine what it would have been like for the 25-year-old Elizabeth to ascend to the king to, 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 the, to the throne after her father, King George, had died. I mean, you know, how did she feel? When, when a father died, and, it, and it's always a strange thing, isn't it, I just think, I look at Charles yesterday, at King Charles, I should say, and thinking, how many of you have sung, God save our gracious queen? How many of you have said queen? Because you, you've been so used to saying queen, and now you've got to say king, and I wonder how many of us have said our gracious queen? Uh, but isn't it weird that this guy loses his mother in one minute and then has to go before the world in the next? That's what it was like for a 25-year-old Elizabeth. And they'd just come through the Second World War, which, which she was involved in in lots of different ways. And she would have seen the devastation, the blitz, and what London and other parts of the country were like, and, and, the, and the devastation in people. And it was just a few years after that, that this 25-year-old ascends the throne. And so much of a world around her must have looked ruined. And how could this 25-year-old reimagine the future You see that word ruin means irreparably damaged or harmed. Irreparably damaged or harmed. And it's easy to think about a life that's ruined or a marriage that's ruined or a family that's ruined or a nation that's ruined. But when it comes to God, it's not irreparably damaged or harmed because God is a God who loves to restore, right? He's a God who loves to renew. He's a God who loves to rebuild. And what I felt that like God wanted to say today, the title really is when God is doing something new. Now, God took the Queen home and I don't know what all that means, okay? She was 96, wasn't she? So we not you know, that's fine. But I believe we're living in historic days and something new and different is happening in our world in this era that we're living in. Not just this week, but this era that we're living in. How do we respond to the new? You know, just before we do that, I wonder how many of you can remember old company names that changed. So um, we'll do a little bit of audience participation here today, all right? In the room and in our locations and online, why don't you beat the people in the room and you put in the chat what you think the answer is. So I'm gonna give you the old company and you're gonna tell me the new one. They're all well known. So the old company's name was Backrub, which is now known as Google. Somebody got that, that's great. Blue Ribbon Sports. Nike, correct. Brad's drink, close. Pepsi was Brad's drink. I love these last two. Pete's Super Submarines. Subway, Richard on the front row. This is my favourite one, this is my favourite one. And I've got to read it all out because it's so long. I'm really glad that they changed it. Bib label lithiated lemon line soda. Nope, close. Seven Up, aren't you glad they changed that? It was Bib Label Lithiated Lemon Line Soda and they changed it to Seven Up. Now, for some of you older folks, you'll love this. I'm gonna give you the new name, you're gonna give me the old name, which was way better, way better. So Snickers was? Come on, see so you're all there. Starburst was? <laughs> Cocoa Pops was? Ah. Uh, Choco Crispies, Netflix was Quickster. Netflix was Quickster. And you see, when it comes to old and new, how do we cope with the old and the new? How do we cope with those kind of transitions? You see, the problem for many of us when God is doing something new is our age is on the mic. When I mean on the mic, if, you, if something's on the mic, it's got the voice, it's got the narrative. And for some of us, the problem is our age is on the mic. Maybe we think we're too young, but many of us, I wanna suggest in these days, we think we're way too old. Here's something I found recently, which is so true. People over 50 consider old age arrives at 90. People under 50 consider old age arrives at 70. People over 90 ignore the calendar. You're not too old, you're not too old guys. When God is doing something new, you are not too old. If a lady right up to this last kind of few months is doing what she did at 95, 96, you're not too old. Old age arrives when our memories are greater than our dreams. But in the Bible, there's a guy called Caleb, who at 85 says to God, give me another mountain, i want to do something new at 85 the Queen said this, I'm reminded of a lady of about my age who was asked by an earnest little granddaughter the other day, Granny, can you remember the Stone Age? (laughs) And then the Queen said, whilst that may be going a bit far, the older generation are able to give a sense of context as well as the wisdom of experience which can be invaluable. In this church, We love young people. We invest in young people. We are passionate about young people. But in this church, we love older people. We wanna invest in older people. Your age is not the problem. We need to get that off the mic. But the problem for many of us isn't our age, it's our past. Our past is on the mic. We'll, we'll be never free from the past because what happened in the past and what I did in the past and what happened to me in the past and, and what somebody else did to me. And God is doing something new and we can't get the past off the mic. A guy called Irwin, Irwin McManus, I read all of his books, he said this Your past will be your future until you have the courage to create a new one. We need to reimagine the future, not just around us, but for us. As well and there's a key verse in the Bible it's not really where we're going today but it gives you a bit of context and it's going to be a key verse for us I believe in this season it's Isaiah 43:19. 19 you know it uh, and, and you'll, you'll know it so well some of you that you'll be familiar and you'll switch off but don't switch off see I am doing a new thing now it springs up do you not perceive it can't you see it I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland in other words God is saying I'm doing something new and you can't see it but but you see, he's saying that what you need to see requires some prophetic reimagination, but you can't see it. And then the verse before says this: "Forget the former things; do not dwell on the past." And that word "dwell" literally means inhabit. Now, God doesn't really mean forget the former things. He, what he re- and I'll prove that in a minute. What he really means is you, you visit the past, but you don't live in it. So you've walked back to it, but you don't live it. And I can, I can prove that that's true because the verse before that says, this is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. That's the past. Then he says, forget the past, <laughs> do not dwell in it. Forget the former things, do not dwell in the past. You see, this is, this is so important. To reimagine the future, we have to walk back to the past, but we walk back to the past a bit so we can walk forward to the future a lot. Does that make sense? Because what we need to do in our lives is is to go back and say who you are God and what you've done. And we walk back a little bit and we remind ourselves of who God is and what he's done so we can walk forward a lot into the future. You see, here's the reality. If you want to ruin your future, ignore your past. Many people ruin their futures by ignoring their past. by by forgetting that that's a weakness for them, by forgetting what happened then, they ignore their past and they ruin their future. But if you want to ruin your future, live in your past as well. See, both of those things are extremes, but ignoring your past will ruin your future and living in your past will ruin your future. And God is saying, I believe to us, as followers of Jesus, and if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, believe He's calling you as well, that this is the season to reimagine the future that God has for us. You see, our focus is the book and the character of Nehemiah, who was this guy, last week we looked at him, who was in exile as he was taken away from Jerusalem. And he heard that Jerusalem was in a mess and it was in ruins and the walls were broken down and the gates were burned with fire. And he heard that and it so got inside him that he's ruined for anything else. And like the young Elizabeth at 25, you know, she's like, don't really want this, but I'm going to do this. And she kind of gets ruined. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But Nehemiah was ruined for anything else other than being a part of helping to reimagine the future and to restore what was ruined. So what do we do when God is doing something new? What do we do when God is doing something new? Because you see, Nehemiah, all the way through the book of Nehemiah, even though he works really hard to rebuild the city, and we work hard as well, he always knows that ultimately it's God who does the restoring. It's God who does the renewing. It's God who does the rebuilding. But what do we do when God is doing something new? Let me just give you three ideas. Number one, we face the facts. Many of us don't rebuild in our lives. Many of us don't step forward into the future. Many of us don't step into the new because we aren't willing to face the facts. Nehemiah was. Let's look at this in chapter two. I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem, it's really important. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. So he goes on his own and he looks at the reality of the situation around him and he faces the facts. Said last week, not an optimist, not a pessimist, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, but he faces the facts. He looks at it as it really is. And just before I mention that or go into that, I love what he does here. He doesn't tell anyone else what God is doing in his heart. We tell everybody what we have for breakfast, (laughs) let alone what God is doing in our, who cares? What is God doing? I wonder what is God putting in your heart right now? What is God speaking in your heart right now? Guys in Hagley and Rowley and Clibbery and Online and Bromsgrove and wherever else you are, what is God putting in your heart? Maybe God is beginning to birth something new in your heart. Maybe do what Nehemiah did. Do what Mary, the mother of Jesus, did. The Bible says she pondered these things in her heart. In other words, she kept it to herself. She kept it off social media. She allowed it to stew and marinate and settle in her heart. And out of that, God begins to do something. And maybe out of that, you could answer this question. What is God doing in you? Maybe you see something new in your marriage, in your family, in your community, in your life, in your ministry. Nehemiah faces the facts. He looks at it as it really is. And then he rides all around the city. And we'll read this. By night I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. So he'd heard this, but he wanted to see it for himself. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool. But there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up the valley by night. Look at the detail, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. Goes on. The officials did not know where I'd gone or what I was doing, because as yet I'd said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. In other words, I'm just looking at the facts. I'm just riding around and I'm looking at the facts and I'm letting God speak on the inside of who I am. Let's face the facts about our broken world. Listen, our world isn't all broken, all right? I don't want to be depressing here. But, but if we really face the facts, do you know we are drowning in too much information, aren't we? Do you know that information doubles in the world every 72 days? Can you, can you even compute that? The information that we have doubles in the world every 72 days. When Princess Diana died, tragically in 1997, 25 years later, the Queen dies. How different is the world, right? We didn't have social media when Princess Di died, did we? And you see, now it's not that people don't really report news, they speculate on what might happen. Whereas it used to be news. That's because the information is double and is increasing. 2,000 new websites go online every single day, 2,000 books are published every single day, 41,000 posts are, go online every single second. We're drowning in too much information. But you know, within that, the hunger of the human heart is trying to be met by global brands. So Amazon appeals to the hunger for things. Google appeals to the hunger for knowledge. Social media appeals to the hunger for connection. And Apple appeals to the hunger for beauty. The truth is none of those work because we're created by God, for God. The hungers of the human heart will never be met by global brands. They can't be. That's why Augustine, one of the early church fathers, he said this, our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. No matter how many Amazon deliveries you get, your heart isn't, doesn't find rest till it rests in God. It doesn't matter how many new Apple products you have or how much you can Google or how many streaming platforms you've got. None of that satisfies the hunger deep in the human hearts. We need to face the facts. But secondly, we need them to go to action because Nehemiah went to action. So he faced the facts And then, and I love this passage of scripture, then I said to them, that's the rest of the Jews, okay, who were in Jerusalem, in the ruin, in the mess, all right? He said, you see the trouble we are in. And he doesn't say you are in because you've allowed this to happen. He identifies with them. I think this is really important for the church. We need not to get arrogant as the church in these days. We wanna be for our communities, don't we? We wanna be for people, we don't wanna be against. These are not the days for us to be building barriers but building bridges and that's what he does. You see the trouble we are in, Jerusalem lies in ruins, its gates have been burned with fire. And then he goes on. "Come." Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the King had said to me. If you are a leader, all right? If you're a business leader, an education leader, if you're in any kind of organisation, let me just give you a blueprint out of scripture for leadership transformation right here. Number one, problem. You see the trouble we are in. Number two, there's a solution. Come, let us rebuild. Number three, there's a reason because then we'll no longer be in disgrace. And number four, there's timing. God's hand is on me. It's genius. This is what he does. He identifies the problem, says there's a solution, gives the why, the reason for it, and then says the timing is now because God's hand is on me. As a church, we really believe that we want to respond to the brokenness around us right now. We believe that God's hand is on us, the church, not our church, the church, to respond in these days. It was really funny because I, uh, <laughs> I was emailing um, the churches in the town yesterday uh, and Friday around, how, how, do you, how are you responding to death of the queen and what do you do? And, and um, Dominic from the St. John's, who's moving on at the end of this, this month, he's a great guy, he said, we're doing what we've done for the last thousand years since William the Conqueror. We have protocol for this, which I just thought was really funny. So basically, since William the Conqueror, this is what they do. They open the church, they do this, they do that, they know what they're doing when it comes to stuff like this. But you know, we need to be a church that doesn't just have protocol and tradition, but actually has response to what is happening right now. We need to be prophetic in the way that we respond. So there are several things that we really feel God is pushing us into. Number one, this is really exciting, kintsugi groups. Kintsugi, if you don't know what kintsugi is, it's a Japanese art form of taking broken pottery and restoring it into beauty. And I'm going to invite Alison just to come because Alison and and several other people are taking a bit of a lead on this. So Alison, just tell us what are kintsugi groups what what on earth are these things okay
0: so uh kintsugi is a movement that's actually sweeping through the uk at the moment with tremendous success and it's the uh principle of creating small groups where people are able to meet together and discuss issues that have an impact on their mental well-being so that there's small groups Great. people meet together they're peer-led there is a facilitator there but everyone is is an equal participant in it and and they look at issues like how do I deal with anger what do I do with disappointment um just those shame all of those key issues anxiety and we're able to with some input uh, and some uh, prayer, obviously, mm. create some opportunity for us to find some solutions together to resolve those issues. So we're going to be launching our first Kinsugi Hope Group that will run from Monday, the 26th of September. And that will be every Monday night for 12 weeks. It's a uh, 12-week programme. And uh, we're going to be launching that today. So the link will go live on that via the uh, Life Central website at 7pm tonight. And we've made it 7pm so that we can make sure that everybody has equal access to it. Because currently the launch group is very small. It will only be 15 people. So there's 15 places available for the group starting on the 26th of September. And then our hope is that we will roll this out and there will be many more groups that will begin all over the place from January. So if that's something that interests you, that you feel might be helpful for you, um, please go ahead and sign up. We're really hoping that this will create not just some opportunities for us as a community, but actually also something that we're able to offer the wider community. So that come January, we we can launch groups that have got people who are from within the church, but also those who come from outside of the church, so that we can begin to offer them hope as well by pointing them towards resource and Jesus.
1: Great. Thank you. So helpful. Brilliant. So that's one of the things that we're launching. If you want to be in that first 15, then kind of register for that tonight. That would be great. But also, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, we have Alpha. We have an Alpha course coming uh, soon. Again, I think that's the, that's the 26th of uh, September as well. It's going to be up in our Rowley location, but it's available to anyone. Again, it's one of the reasons that we can help to bring hope and help to rebuild into people's lives there's a sign up for that that's coming up on the screen as well. But there's some other things coming down the track as well. Let me just give you three here. Mental health and well-being training. We're looking at that in October. More information, or is it November? I think that's November. Information is gonna come up. Again, that's just to help us, those that work with other people. Uh, the Winter Warm and Soup Project, we don't know what to call it yet, but I feel really passionate. We feel really passionate about what's happening uh, for people with the rising cost of living, with energy fuel costs, et cetera some welcome news this week from the new Prime Minister, but it's still going to be a huge challenge for many of us and for many of our community. We want to open our building uh, during the winter and we're just thinking about it. And then behind all of that is building the Dream Team. Thank you for those of you that have signed up to be part of the Dream Team. You know That's our volunteers. We can't do anything unless we have that. And that's what Nehemiah says. Look at the trouble we're in. Come on, let's rebuild. You're not too old. You're not too young, you're not too new, you're not too inexperienced, do you know what I mean? You can do it, you can be part of this team that helps rebuild and that's so important. And again, it's not too late for you to sign up for the Dream Team, I think the link hopefully will come up on the screen as well. And as I was preparing for today, just, just yesterday really, obviously with the Queen, I was reading everything I could around the Queen, listen to some of the things she said. She said this, when she was 21, all right, And her father was well. She didn't know that in four years she'd be on the throne. She said this in Cape Town, I declare before you that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. A few years later, she's on the throne of England. 70 years after that, she's finally home and at rest. But she also said this, over the years, those who have seemed to me to be the most happy, contented, and fulfilled have always been the people who have lived the most outgoing and unselfish lives. Guys, there's a call for us in our society, in our world right now, to live those kind of unselfish lives. It's not all about us. Do you know the word self appears everywhere now, doesn't it? Self-care, self-medication, selfie. Do you know what I mean? Selfly. It's all self, 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 and yet we have a relationship with Jesus, no, it's not about self, it's about Him. Our lives are about Him, in the delight, in the duty of serving Him and others. So we face the facts, we go to action, but then thirdly, you need to hear this, some of you today, we tough it out, we tough it out. You know, here's what it says in the story. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. And this is what they say. What is this you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And if you read Nehemiah 3, 4, 5 through to 6, you see opposition coming time and time again. When they begin to rebuild the wall, we'll look at that more next week, it comes time and time again, opposition, ridicule. All of this stuff. And yet Nehemiah said this, he said this, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We servants will start rebuilding. In other words, I don't know how we'll do it, but God will help us. We're just gonna get on and do what we know we're gonna do. You gotta tough it out. The Queen said, when life seems hard, the courageous do not lie down and accept defeat. Instead, they are all the more determined to struggle for a better future. So, as I bring this into land, where do we go next? What do you do when God is doing something new? Final queen quote, okay, and this is my last one. She said, it's worth remembering that it is often the small steps, not the giant leaps, that bring about the most lasting change. So what small steps can you take? Let me just suggest a few. Where do you see God doing something new in your life? Maybe identify that. Maybe write it down, God is doing something new in my life right here. See it, face the facts, just look at it for what it really is. But number two, what is the next step you need to take for God to do something new? So God is doing something new, but what do you need to do? What's your next step to step into that? Remember, we step back to the past in order we can step a long way into the future. But then number three, and this is for so many of us, I believe, where do you need God to stand alongside you right now? I know these are tough times for many of us. Maybe in your family, you're longing to see God do something new, but it feels so tough right now. Maybe that's where you need God to stand alongside you, just to help you. So I just have a question for you. Where is it that maybe for some of you, you are needing God to stand alongside you right now. You're longing for something new to happen. You don't quite know what's happening in your life right now, but you know that you need God to stand alongside you right now. Listen, if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to stand. I invite you to be brave and to stand, and we want to pray for you today. So if that's you, and you you say, hey, I, I'm really struggling right now, and I need God to stand alongside me, then you be brave and stand, and we would love to pray for you in our locations in Hagley, in that community centre there. Stand, in Rowley, stand. Clivery, stand. Online, indicate somehow. We would love to pray for you. So if you're sat around people standing there, would you just reach a hand out, put a hand on a shoulder and let's pray. Father, we thank you. Jesus, as we just lay a hand on someone here We're doing that so that they can feel physical touch almost. But God, I pray that even through that, they would know that there's something even more powerful than our physical touch, and that's your presence. Jesus, would you bring strength into people's lives, I pray. As we wait on you, as we receive from you, as we worship you, God, as we look up, up, even when life is tough, Father, we pray. That you would strengthen us. God, some in this room are going through horrendous things right now. It's really hard to even believe that God is doing anything at the moment. But God, would you restore, would you renew, would you rebuild, would you stand alongside us? In Jesus' name, we pray. God, we love you so much. I want to invite you all, if you're willing and able to stand. And so we sing this incredible song. This is more than a song to me. This is. This is us coming before God and saying, "Lord, touch me." We're waiting on You. We're we're crying out to You, God. We I love just the fact that this is a this is a song that I feel like it's like you gotta kind of I don't know you don't have to, but putting your arms up in the air. You know, when my little granddaughter sees me; she's always running, and her arms are up in the air, like "Lift me up, lift me up." I shouldn't be doing that now, according to her mom and dad, but I do still occasionally get into trouble. But it's that sense of going to God and saying, "God, you lift me up. Will You lift me up?" You are the only place I can go. The Queen knew that the whole of her life. And I believe she's like that right now. Being lifted up by her Lord and Saviour. if that's you, then even as we worship, why don't you reach out to God as we, as we sing, waiting here for you. He's here. He is right here by His Spirit and by His presence. Let's worship.